This is a multi-part episode. If you've not listened to the previous parts, please go back and do so. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Somewhere in there, there was just a, a really big faith crisis as well. I think it was more along the lines before I learned about alien righteousness. I was just I was just really struggling with my faith, and, and it was like this really bad, broken roller coaster that I just wanted to get off of, but I couldn't. And some days I was convinced that the church was true, and then the next day I'm like, it's completely a fraud, and I just kept going back and forth on this, and and, and I finally came to the realization that it, that it was false, and, you know, a lot of the Christians online just made such a, such a huge impact on me, you know, one of, one of our friends, shout out here to Fred Anson, <laughs> uh, really helped me a lot, too, because, you know, he encouraged me. He said, you know, if uh, if you're in a submarine and you have a compass, it'll always say you're going north because of the magnetism in the in the submarine and you need to get out and use that compass. And he encouraged me to get away from the church and look at it objectively. And, and once I did that, I was appalled by what I saw. You know, the more I looked at the church, the more it looked like a cult. I could understand why people said that about Mormonism, and it frightened me quite a bit to look at it from an outside perspective. And Paul, you were a really big influence on me as well. I remember going through, you know, the the marriage started going through some some big issues, and, and that was before I left the church. And I, I remember talking to you about it, Paul, and, and you said you were going to pray for me with your I guess your group at seminary. Yeah, that was actually at at church. We were um, gathering on Wednesday nights for a for a study and uh, on evangelism, uh, in particular to to Muslims. And you know the the pastor friend of mine who was leading leading us through that study asked if there were any prayer requests. And and I you know knew that you were going through a tough time both with your marriage and with you know the questions you had about the LDS church and and so asked the group to to pray for you that night and we spent the first probably 5 or 6 uh, minutes or so of that that class period praying specifically for you and over your situation yeah so i remember that night you know i woke up and this is during you know, right in the middle of my faith crisis i woke up and it was the strangest thing because I just felt like the the atmosphere was different than normal. 
it felt like there was singing going on, but it was like in a different plane of existence, but I could kind of tell that it was there anyway. It was just unlike anything I'd ever experienced. And and I got up and it's just like, wow, I, I feel good. And, and I just, I knew what it was. I was like, right now I'm being prayed over. I don't know how I knew that, but in that moment I just knew that that's what was going on. And I'm like, this is incredible. This this has never happened or to me before. And I think, you know, I think I was really close to accepting Christ that night. I I'd been really depressed with the the faith crisis and the way things were going in my marriage at that point. And I remember going to my son's bedroom. He was probably two and a half at that point. And I knelt by his bed and I realized that in the state that I was in, I couldn't be a good parent to him. And I was just, you know, the the realization of how pitiful I was just washed over me. And I was just like, I give up, God. You know, I can't do this. But I didn't take the next step and actually accept Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. I was just like, I give up. You know, I can't do this. And so I kind of reached rock bottom there. But I remember, you know, I kind of asked you uh, if you had prayed for me the next day. And you're like, yes, we did. And so that confirmed that something really was going on mm-hmm. that night. Yeah, that was uh, that was a really interesting time to, to you know, be kind of close to you and, and become your friend through through what you were going through. Um, you know, obviously, we have similar journeys in, in terms of leaving the LDS church, but but your experience is, is different than mine in, in several ways. And, you know, I just remember, you know, you mentioned that you were, a, you belonged to like a super secret Mormon apologist Facebook group. Well, you know, we, we had our own kind of Facebook messenger threads going as, as evangelical Christians during that time. And, and, you know, you were often the topic of discussion uh, on those threads because a lot of us could tell that, that you were really wrestling with, uh, the question of grace and and your salvation and that you were we could sense that you were sincere about it you know sometimes when when you're in, in the in the um, kind of the trenches of, of witnessing to Mormons you know you you experience people who uh, will just say they agree with just about everything you say um, but you can tell that they they really don't right they're, they're just looking for that that kind of pat on the back okay you're a Christian too kind of kind of feeling Mm -hmm. but we could sense that you were you were not in that place you were you were sincere i remember having one late night conversation with you over messenger where i was working on a on a paper you mentioned that i that i was going to seminary at the time um and i was i was up late working on a paper i'd worked all day and and uh but i could just sense through our conversation that you were you were working through something and we were talking about grace and um you know i brought up the the passage you know that we're we were dead in our sins and trespasses. And, and I asked you, you know, can, can a dead person do anything? You know, because we were talking about works righteousness and, um, and just just those conversations. And it was just uh, it was a real uh, pleasure to be involved in, in that holy experience of, of seeing you go through go through that and seeing God draw you to himself. Yeah, <clears throat> no, I'm I'm grateful that you were there at the right time and the right place. Um, I mean, there were, there were a couple, you know, people that just 
I know God put them there, and and you were one of them. So really, really good stuff. I was thinking about like a like a, I wish I could have been there. Just hearing all this, it's just an incredible story of Michael coming, you know, coming to faith in Christ. And but it just makes me think that like, of course, I'm a Calvinist, but I but I know that God uses means to bring people to Him. So He sends people on your path, or He'll He'll preach a certain you know some a pastor might preach a word to you that just makes everything click for you you know so god uses all kinds of means to bring people to himself yeah i i agree with that it was it was quite <laughs> quite the difficult transition and one of the things that that made it extra difficult was just the the marital situation at the time things had taken a nosedive with us over the last couple of years and it was not a good relationship. There was really no love in the relationship at all. And just prior to being saved, I was starting to have the temptation creep in to go have an affair with somebody else because I wanted somebody in my life that cared about me and loved me, you know, loved me unconditionally and and was willing to sacrifice for me and I went out and and had that affair, but it wasn't with a woman. It was with the Most High God, and <laughs> it was it was just like an affair in some ways because it was a secret relationship that my wife didn't know about. It's funny that you put it that way because I mentioned that I was engaged at the time and like I was learning so much about God and the gospel and the Bible. And it, <laughs> looking back, it was almost like that. Like you keep it as a secret affair and you don't want her to know about it. And you try to try to bring it up in a conversation like, what do you think about this? You know, like maybe, you know, you want to talk about God a little bit and then they freak out. <laughs> it is yeah. kind of like that. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And so, you know, the guy that, that does a lot of the videos on the impossible gospel is Keith Walker. And he lives in San Antonio, which is was about an hour out from where we lived. And I'd been planning to have a sit down conversation with him for a while to put him in his place. But by the time I finally sat down with him, I already was in a place where I was just like, okay, explain this to me one more time. And, and so we talked for a couple of hours and then I, I accepted Jesus Christ and, and gave my life to him that day about three years ago. And and then I left and went back to normal life. At first, I didn't really feel that different. I was like, huh, I, that prayer didn't really seem like it did much. But then there'd just be little things that would happen, like seeing the beauty of a raindrop and actually appreciating it because I'd been so focused on improving myself over the day before and eradicating the sin from my life that I couldn't enjoy the beauty of nature. And now all of a sudden I could. And it was like an entire new planet that I was on. And it was so vibrant and beautiful. And then, and then when I did sin again, instead of feeling guilty, I was like, I could feel the love of God. And I'm, and I'm like, this is... This is a big God that I worship now. It's not a being that just gets offended anytime I say or do something wrong and and ghosts me. But he's the bigger man, and and he still loves me when I mess up. And and this is what grace is. And I was on on a high for a long time. And and of course, a lot of the Christians that I'd been debating online were thrilled that I left 
And after being on this side and being in debate groups and debating Latter-day Saints, I can only imagine how incredible that must be. And a lot of Christians were starting to tell me, like, hey, Michael, like, just throwing this out there, like, I know you're having a great time, but things are going to get hard. You know, have you told your wife yet? (laughs) And I'm like, nope. And it's like, I know things are going to get hard, but I'm holding on to this feeling as long as I can, because it was literally the first time in my life that I'd been feeling this feeling of total unconditional love and acceptance. And it was was just, it was something that Mormonism could not offer me, even on its best day. Now, eventually, the truth of me leaving the church did come out, and it wasn't very pretty. I waited several months before I told anyone in my family because I was scared to death to tell them about the transition that I'd made. I'd seen too many horror stories where divorces had happened and people had shunned their family members and I was not I wasn't in a hurry to get to that. I think the first person that I told was my bishop and I had been doing this after I published my book, I had been going around doing like little discussions or presentations on LDS apologetics, and I was telling them how to defend against the Trinity and against like how to explain grace and works. And I had this whole hour presentation that I'd given a couple of times in a couple of different wards. And so they knew me as the apologist guy locally. And and people would turn up to kind of listen to me give this this presentation. And I'd done public debates. Uh, I actually debated my friend Ed Enoch because he went to the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and I went up there and debated him on the Trinity. The Trinity was my specialty. <laughs> I remember getting up and saying, you know, if God is omnipresent and it kills us to even look at him, we shouldn't be able to stand here with our eyes open because it should kill us instantly, and that should tell us that something is wrong with the Trinity doctrine. And, you know, I I debated Lynn Wilder. (laughs) That was a big turning point in my transition. I I did a podcast, or not a podcast, but an online debate with her. And that was the first time where she said that, you know, Christianity was at odds with Mormonism. And I didn't think that was true. I'm like, no, they're they're really the same thing. We're just the advanced form of Christianity. They're like our little brother, you know, our baby little brother who's two years old and doesn't know anything. But we're not at odds. We're just more developed. And and when I learned about imputed righteousness, I realized that that is it is not a stepping stone to Mormonism. It is completely contrary to everything that Mormonism teaches. In fact, I would say that it is the most anti-Mormon doctrine that I have ever heard in my life. But uh, so I, I so I, I told the bishop, you know, I was actually the ward mission lead, so I was in a really awkward situation because I was in charge of getting people baptized into the Mormon Church, but I knew the Mormon Church was false, but I didn't want to look like anything was going on or I was unfaithful. And so I remember one of my friends got baptized, and before he could get the gift of the Holy Ghost, me and him had a discussion, and he ended up not going through with it after we talked. He'd found some things online, and I was like, yeah, um, it's not true, you know. 
but but I sat down with the bishop. I gave him my keys, and I said that I was resigning as the ward mission leader, and I would not be coming back. And he gave me this smug look, and he he says, "You're kidding, right?" And I'm like, "No, bishop, I'm serious. I don't believe the church is true." And his big smile just slowly faded away as he realized that I was telling the truth because. I was the last person that anybody expected to leave at this point. And he's like, well, can you kind of tell me why? And I said, yeah, um, yeah, I believe that grace alone is enough to save us. And he's like, well, don't we believe that? I'm like, no, Bishop. And so I, I explain LDS doctrine to him that if we need to be baptized and, and receive temple ordinances that that is not grace alone being enough to save us that is other things that we need to do and i also told him that i didn't believe the holy ghost abandoned us when we were trapped in sin and needed him the most and and then i got away from him and i immediately called the sister missionaries in the ward because i was the ward mission leader and i was supposed to have a meeting with them every thursday and i told them that i we were not going to be having the meeting that i had resigned as ward mission leader, I didn't tell them I was leaving the church and going apostate, but they figured it out somehow. And I ended up, uh, you know, I was like, okay, now that I've told the bishop and the sister missionaries, I was like, okay, I'm going to give myself two days to work up the courage to tell my wife because she's going to find out at this point somehow. So I ended up taking my kid to go see Finding Dory at the movies and when I came back, Lorena, who is my wife, she she's like, hey, we need to talk. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Turned out that the sister missionaries had come by the house and they dropped off a letter for me. And she read it, basically asking me to come back to the church. <laughs> so she found out that way. And, and she's just, you know, pretty unhappy with me for having to find out that way. And I, I kind of told her, I'm like, look, I think the church is hindering my relationship with God more than it is helping it. And at the end of the discussion, she seemed really supportive. You know, she said, I was like, I was afraid that you were going to, you know, shun me. And she said, stop treating me like I'm one of them. I'm your wife, which really encouraged me at the time. But joining, uh, gaining this relationship with Christ ended up putting a, a tremendous strain on us because she really was still committed to the church. Sorry, just trying to gather my thoughts here. No, you're fine. You're doing great. Other people found out without me telling them. One one group was my uh, my parents-in-law found out. I started going to this church locally called the Connection Church, and uh, it was I, I liked it a lot. It was super different from Mormonism. They had uh, a drummer and laser lights. And and cool music. And the pastor was an awesome guy, Pastor Cole. Um, he just he took me under his wing right away and would have sit downs with me and and kind of go through the doctrine of Christianity because he's like, you know, your journey into Christianity isn't normal and you know, I want to talk to you about things. And so he was kind of my rock for a while, but I remember the first time I went over there they were doing this series called God in the Movies, and so they transformed the entire church to look like a movie theater, 
with the 3D cutouts and, and everything. And so I was just like, is this some kind of secret movie theater like that only believers know about? And, and my son Nathan got super excited because they had like one of the movies that he wanted to see. And I'm like, I don't, we're not going to go see that today, I don't think. <laughs> you know, it's like, I think we're here for church. But I ended up going to their Christmas program, you know, in an evening. And of course, the LDS Church doesn't have a, a Christmas program that you go to at night. They have a broadcast that you can watch at home. But my in-laws were staying with us at the time, and I went anyway. And they asked my wife, like, where is he? She said, oh, church. And that's when they kind of knew that something was up. And my father-in-law hammered me the next day with questions. And, and he finally got the truth out of me. And I was real reluctant to tell him. I'm like, yeah, we, I'm like, yeah, your daughter hasn't been going to church lately. And he's like, yeah, well, what church did you go to yesterday? I'm like, well, you know, I went to the Connection Church. And so he's like, he, he figured out what was going on. And he's like, I can't believe it. You of all people, you were so good at defending it. What happened? And then he goes, I know what happened. You stopped reading your scriptures and praying. And I looked at him and I said, no, I started reading my scriptures and praying. And then he pretty much left me alone forever after that. But the really awkward thing was that Dave, Dave Bartosowicz flew down and interviewed me. And he ended up putting that video on, on YouTube, and somehow it showed up on my Facebook feed. And I guess he deleted it. So I never saw it, but my family did. And I have one brother that left the church, and he called me, and he's like, Hey, Michael, just so you know, um, you know, Dad and, and David, my brother, like they're watching the video about your interview. And I'm like, what? It was Christmas Eve. <laughs> I was supposed to go see all these people the next day. I'm like, no, this can't be happening right now. Like, I was going to just, I just wanted to wait for the holidays to finish and then I was going to tell them. So, yeah, lesson of the, of the night. It does not pay to stall telling people things because they're going to find out anyways. Um, but then they decided they were going to sweep everything under the rug because it was Christmas. And then they would talk to me about it later. So Christmas was the most awkward thing imaginable. You know, they were still interacting with me. And, and my mom, like, handed me the present for my kid. And she was smiling. But in her eyes, I could just see her crying on the inside, just looking at me, thinking my son is going to outer darkness. Nope. Outer brightness. Outer <laughs> brightness. <laughs> yep. Did you have feelings like that? Or were you pretty pretty confident that... The path you're taking was what the Lord wanted you, where the Lord wanted to take you. I was not confident at all. In fact, for a while there, I was thinking, what the heck have I done? I've just sent myself to outer darkness because I had to follow my stupid conscience. And, you know, they always say people who leave the church have intellectualized their way out. And my dad said that to me, that he always suspected I would intellectualize my way out of the church. And I'm thinking maybe that is what I did. You know, when, when you've been Mormon so long, it was 32 years for me. It's so ingrained in you that you just think it can't be false. It's impossible. And those thoughts didn't go away. And And Fred actually sent me a book called The Prodigal God by Tim Keller. And I read that book, and it explained the parable of the prodigal son from a Christian viewpoint. 
And by the time I finished that book, I was convinced that I had made the right decision because as I read about the older brother, I saw so many parallels to the LDS church. And and in that parable, you know, the older brother is the one that does not go into the feast because he's so blind to the fact that he is in rebellion and that he's selfish and, and against his father as well. So that that really helps solidify things for me. But it was a long, drawn-out process. Um, I think logically I came to a conclusion that Christianity was true and that Mormonism was false. But what I really struggled with was just emotionally accepting that you know i think my heart still wanted it was still holding on to onto mormonism desperately it was something that i was familiar with it was nostalgic it was you know it was my family i felt like i was leaving my family to uh to come into this new this new life and i remember i had this dream one night that you know the church had done like made some kind of a mistake it was some big deal, but they kidnapped me, and they were going to keep me in this room underground prisoner for the rest of my life to cover up their mistake. And somehow I escaped, and I went to my wife and my son, and I explained the situation to them and said I had to leave. I had to disappear. And in my dream, I kissed them both goodbye, and my son was holding me real tight and, and crying. And, and I woke up crying for real because I just— I felt like I was going to lose my family. It was the biggest fear that I had, and, and I I tried to hold on as hard as I could. And and here's the crazy thing. You know, I said that I was getting to a point where I didn't really love my wife, and I was looking to have an affair. Well, God changed my heart, and he made me fall back in love with her. And I really felt the same way about her that I did when I was engaged. It had woken everything back up and it was like I was back in that moment. You know, it was it was unbelievable and I was fighting for her and she was saying things to me like, "Oh, like what do you what am I supposed to do? Like become a Christian? Like you think Jesus is just going to change my heart?" And I was looking at her saying, "Yes." <laughs> You know, actually, yes, but it, but in the end, um, she did file for divorce. You know, and and I was changing a lot of things in my life. You know, like things that she'd wanted me to do for a long time. Like I came up with a five-year plan for us, and and just did a bunch of things differently. And I was trying. I was like, you know, things aren't great, but lucky her she is a christian husband now that should be a dream come true so i'm gonna be the best husband ever because if i try hard enough right that's the mormon mindset if you try hard enough nothing can fail and and she even said to me you know i see a lot of the changes that you're making and and it's things that i wish you would have done a long time ago but it's too late and and then she filed for the divorce and that was 2017 i think where she first uh, said that, that this was going to happen and there was nothing that I could do to change her mind. And I spent that year, in that year, I think I cried more than in all the previous years combined. And I fell completely into depression for months. And I started to kind of question God a little bit. And I was like, God, like, why did you pull me out of Mormonism just to watch me suffer? And for my whole life to collapse. And it finally hit rock bottom where I just, you know, I felt like my heart was just turning into a lump of coal. 
And I'm like, I'm not even, I don't even have it in me to try to be a good person anymore. I give up. And then miraculously, I think in a day or two, God just completely healed me and I felt amazing. And I think, I just feel like he, he let me get down there to show me that he was all that I need. And, and really, I'm, I'm just the kind of person that, you know, had to be dragged kicking and screaming into Christianity because I will just hold on to anything and try to make that my savior or my idol, you know, and I was holding on to my family because in, in Mormonism, your family is everything, your eternal family. And there's a quote where it says, you know, no success outside the home can, or no, no success in life can compensate for failure in the home. And, and so just that mindset is like, if I fail in my marriage, I am a failure. That is the end of the story the end of the story that sounds like a really stressful experience i can't even imagine how difficult it must have been so for the listeners out there who would maybe they're in a similar situation you know they they feel like god is pulling them in a different direction than the lds church or they're terrified of what their spouse will do if they reveal that they're no longer believing in the LDS church and its claims. Do you have any advice for them, Michael? Like for those who maybe are afraid to change or who are in the process and they're, you know, maybe they might lose their spouse or their children. What would you say to them? I'd say don't be afraid because even if things are are rough right now or they get rough, and I think it does for all ex-Mormons to some degree or another, you know, that, that tunnel, it gets pretty dark, but there's light at the end of that tunnel. And there's there's more light at the end of that tunnel than you can even imagine. You know, I've, I'm at a place now where I don't even hardly remember the pain that I was going through unless I conjure it up on purpose to to remember it. But God is, God is good. You know, when he starts a work in our lives, he is faithful to finish it. He's not the god of mormonism where it's he's always just there to judge you and and condemn you if you're not perfect he's there to to run to you and and he's there to heal us and i've just been almost i'm almost without words for for all the all the things god has done in my life you know i just i was at a place where i just thought that i would never be able to feel joy again and god has just brought so many changes in my life and it's only been a little over a year since the divorce was official and i remember you know i would tell my situation and i would get so frustrated sometimes with with christians because they would immediately start praying for my wife and i to be reconciled and and i'm like i don't i don't know that that's really what i want it's like what you should be praying for is that she'll find jesus because that's really what she needs in in her life but but god uh you know he brought he brought another woman into my life and you know i was really not expecting to date anyone for a long time and i especially wasn't comfortable with the idea of dating a christian woman because i was like how are they gonna understand where i'm coming from first of all and second how am i ever gonna feel like I'm on the same level as them because you know they've been Christian their whole lives and I'm just a baby Christian. So what right do I even have? And then I met this woman, <laughs> Brianna, and she is uh, an ex-Mormon too, an ex-Mormon Christian. 
And, uh, you know, we just started talking online in the ex-Mormon Christians group, which it's funny because it's not a dating site at all. Uh, it is now. Just, it is now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, she was out in California, and I went up there and snagged her and, and married her, and and, uh, and things are good. So, so yeah, anybody that is going through or going through a struggle or or worried about what the struggle could be, and and there's things that I worry about still. You know, like I worry that my ex is going to take my son away and I'm never going to see him again. I worry about that or that I'll barely get to see him. And, and what I really have to realize is I'm I'm saved. My salvation is secure. I have a loving God and Savior who who is with me at all times. And, and there's really nothing that anybody can do to me at this point. The worst somebody can do is is take my life and even then I get to be in the presence of Jesus in heaven and there's just so much joy in the Christian walk there's so much to live for it feels like an adventure every day it's something completely new from what we grew up in you know there were these these boundaries of religion that I was stuck in before and now it's those have all opened up and and I get to explore so yeah I if I had to to make the decision all over again knowing what I was going to lose I would make the same choice a thousand times over and even if there even if there was no light at the end of the tunnel you know Christ I I believe that Jesus is is worth dying for and if that's what we have to do then that's great amen you know I, there are so many metaphors in scripture for for the new life that God gives to people. He talks about giving people a new heart, exchanging beauty for ashes, you know, giving life to dry bones. And all of those are beautiful uh, metaphors for, you know, what we've experienced and watching you go through it, having conversations with you as, as you went through it. I know that time when when your marriage was, was crumbling was ex- extremely difficult on you. And you and I talked on the phone during that time, and 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 as a friend, I I felt helpless. I didn't know how to how to help, what to pray for for you through that time. It was one of those experiences where you know you had to, and and I had to as a friend, just say to God, you know, you have to have this because we don't. And to see where He has brought you to is just to me one of the most beautiful things that that I've ever witnessed. And I, I'm just, you know, thankful to God to see his goodness and his, his grace and his mercy in your life. Yeah. Amen. Me, me too. And I'm kind of still in the debate groups, but now I'm on the other side and, and I'm witnessing firsthand exactly where I was before. And, and sometimes I get frustrated debating with Latter-day Saints. You know, I, I leave a debate and I say, there is no hope for these people and then I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, there is. There's always hope for every, you know, God has, Jesus has the power to save every man, woman, and child on this planet, regardless of how good I am at sharing the gospel. Well, I was just thinking, I think the interview you were talking about earlier was the one where you had mentioned the book that you wrote. I think that was the first time I had been introduced to you. 
when I was kind of a questioning Mormon. And then I looked at the Amazon page for your book, and then I read your own review of it, and <laughs> I laughed hysterically <laughs> <laughs> about how you said, like, this was the worst book ever written about the Bible or something like that. <laughs> I laughed for a good 10 minutes, and I thought, you know, I was like, I, I couldn't see myself as having that happen to me. You know, I thought I was going to somehow get through it and become Mormon, but, but uh, you know, it didn't work out that way. And I'm, And just like I agree with Paul that just hearing your story and – it's just I just love hearing about other Latter Day Saints that are let out and and like you said like we're we're both in the same groups on on Facebook and we're trying to witness to Latter Day Saints and we just we just really I just want to really say to any if there are any, are any Latter Day Saints that listen that we love you that we that we do this because we care about you we're not doing it to win any brownie points in heaven or to sound smart or anything like that like we re, we've been where you are right now and there's just such a much easier way that Christ is the way to salvation and that we can just unload all of our our guilt, our shame, our fears upon him. And we don't have to go through this system of talking to your bishop and, and you know, going through all this system of works and, and ordinances and, and things like that to become clean with God again. You can be clean with God right now. You can just go straight to God and Christ is our only mediator with the Father. And we can trust in him and his sacrifice to make us righteous. And so just hearing stories like yours, Michael, is just, to me, it's such a blessing because I get so down on my, like, even now as a Christian, I sometimes get down on myself, like, man, like, why did I do that? Like, why did I say that thing? You know, like, why, why, why wasn't I nicer to that person? But then just hearing this, it just reminds me, like, you know what? I'm in Christ. Like, he saved me already. I need to continue to repent and follow after Christ, but I'm already righteous in God's eyes. I don't need to do anything to prove myself to God. And just hearing your story just really humbles me and reminds me that that God is so gracious and he's so good. And there's nothing that we do to deserve any of that. So I want to thank you and I praise God for, for bringing you to where you are now. I was, I was going to add one other thing. This just came to my mind. You know, when I was struggling with all this, you feel so alone when you are questioning the church. I think that's one of the hardest things about it is, you know, in my case, my whole family, even my wife was LDS and I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody. And, you know, if anyone is listening and you're in that situation, I just want to encourage you. There are groups on Facebook. There's one Mormons in transition and there are people that want to help you that aren't going to judge you at all. And really, there is an entire family just waiting to embrace you in your journey. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Outer Brightness Podcast. We'd like to hear from you. You're invited to visit the Outer Brightness Podcast page on Facebook. Feel free to send a message there with comments or suggestions by clicking send a message at the top of the page, and we would appreciate it if you give the page a like. We also have an Outer Brightness Podcast group on Facebook where you can join and interact with us and others as we discuss the podcast, past episodes, suggestions for future episodes, etc. We would love to hear from you and hope to speak with you soon. Stay bright, fireflies. 
You can subscribe to the Outer Brightness podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play, CastBox, Podbean, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you like what you hear, give us a rating or review wherever you listen. Thank you, Fireflies. You can also connect with Michael the Ex-Mormon Apologist at FromWaterToWine.org, where he blogs, and sometimes Paul and Matthew do as well. Music for the Outer Brightness podcast is graciously provided by the talented Brianna Flournoy and by Adams Road. Learn more about Adams Road at www.adamsroadministry.com. worthy of the blood that Jesus shed. But now I know that all the works I did were meaningless compared with Jesus' lonely death on the cross where he bore sin. And now I have the righteousness that is by faith in Jesus' name.
of the cross.